Merry Christmas. We're glad to have you here. Don't you love this Christmas Eve service? Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, really. Because, I mean, seriously, I mean, can, can, you, can you imagine starting Christmas Eve without Trans-Siberian Orchestra? That was awesome, wasn't it? I agree with Dwight Schrute that Christmas ought to rock. When David said in the Psalms, let us make a joyful noise to the Lord, I believe if he would have been in the modern day, he would have said, let us shred a joyful noise to the Lord. I'm just saying. But... Never fear, those of you who are a little weirded out by the way things are going around here, we're going to end the service in the most serene and beautiful moment that you'll ever experience the whole year as we do the candlelight communion service and sing Silent Night together. By far my favorite moment as a church as we gather together. Because as far as I'm concerned, if you're not passing out an open flame to a dark room full of people wearing flammable coats, I don't think you love Jesus, okay? That... That's all I can say. We have been uh, messing with the nativity scene around here during Christmas. And don't worry if you haven't been here. I'm going to fill you in and help you to understand what we've been doing with it. Because there's a backstory to this nativity scene that you don't really fully understand. Okay? And so we've been talking about it. But I was doing a little research on the Internet this week. And I found that what I'm doing to the Internet is not nearly as bad. Or what I'm doing to the nativity is not nearly as bad as what a lot of people are doing to the nativity. Let me just show you a few of my favorites. Here is the dog nativity for you canine lovers. Here is the marshmallow s'mores nativity. It's actually a kit. You can make it yourself. How about the rubber ducky? You're the one. Yeah, there's the three wise duckies in the whole thing, man. Uh, This one just kind of is redneck to me. It's the porch geese. I'm sorry. You know those people that have those geese out on their porch? You can put the Mary and Joseph on them and make them into the nativity. Works really well if you have a toilet out in front of your house with plants growing in it and flowers. It's perfect, okay? I don't know what to say about the troll nativity set. It just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, But this one, guys, this is the guy's favorite by far. It's the meat nativity. The Atkins plan nativity made out of sausage and bacon on a bed of sauerkraut. That's what I'm talking about. All the guys said, amen. Uh, uh, this next one just doesn't need any explanation. I mean, how could you not recognize the Mexican mermaid nativity set? I mean, that, that's just so obvious. But by far my favorite is the Irish nativity set. <laughs> Isn't that great? Uh, you Irish people out there, you got to love that because you know the wise men were bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and Guinness, right? Am I, I mean, it just has to be. The, well, what I'm doing today, nativity, may, not, may seem about as weird as making one out of bacon, but let me explain, okay? Um, what we've been doing is looking at the back story of Christmas because the, the truth of the matter is you can't understand this unless you understand the back story. There's always a back story. There's always a lot of stuff that went on behind the scenes that you need to understand. So the first week I talked about the war story that was the back story. The fact that there is actually spiritual warfare that's going on in heaven. And that when Jesus came as a baby, Satan, who is identified in in Revelations 12 as the red dragon, was not very happy. But what Jesus came to do was to not to be a good moral teacher, not to come down to earth and spread the love. What Jesus came to do, he said, I have come to destroy the work of the devil. Jesus came to Bethlehem to establish a beachhead for God and his forces 
on this earth. There's a battle of good and evil going on in the world, and, and that's what the war story is all about. You need to understand that this is how things went in the beginning, and that the fact that there was a, a whole battalion of angels there to tell the shepherds that Jesus was born, you should understand they weren't there to tell the shepherds that Jesus was born. They were there to guard. They were there to do battle. It was a company. Understand that. That's a war story. The second week I talked about the political backstory that was going on. Actually, the politically incorrect backstory that was going on. Because the nativity scene, as you look at it, and I've looked at it, we've looked at it so many times, we, we've become so familiar with it that we don't realize how weird it really was. I mean, in the first place, there are shepherds that are the first witnesses. And you and I just think that's really sweet. But the shepherds were like the low-life people of the entire society at that point. They were living in a van down by the river, okay? They, they were not the kind of people that you would expect God to, to invite to be the first witnesses. And the only thing I could think of to help personify that was these biker Ken dolls that I got off the Internet. So I got some... I got some biker Ken dolls because I think we should add them to the... Instead of take the shepherds out and put the biker dudes up there, okay? Because these are the people that, that probably wouldn't feel welcome in most churches. I mean, they feel welcome here. We got a whole bunch of them. We love them. Um, but, 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 but they wouldn't feel comfortable in most churches. And they're the ones who were actually called by God to be the first witnesses. And then there's these wise men. You've you got to love the wise men, right? But, because they're three kings from... Orient are. Do you understand that? They're not from around here. Okay? They're wearing turbans on their head in your nativity set. And we've seen them so often that we're like, wow, okay, whatever. I mean, you know, they're the wise men. Uh, but they might as well be the three amigos, you know? I mean, because they're from very, very far away and they followed a star. I mean, have you put this together? This is astrology that brought them to Jesus. It's not the Bible. It's not the Jewish religion that brought them to Jesus. It was astrology. It was as if they opened up the paper and they looked at the horoscope and they said, hmm, I'm a Virgo. Oh, look, Jesus is born. And they showed up. So I got some little mini tarot cards to put in here with the wise men, okay? Because they're, they're doing astrology to get there. And what's the point from that? The point is that God called people from the farthest away, the most politically incorrect people that he could find, to come and be a part of this nativity. What about Mary? I mean, you're not going to mess with Mary, are you? No, 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 no. I'm not going to mess with Mary. You just need to understand that Mary was 13 years old, maybe 14. And we've seen this Mary, and we've had this Mary for a long time. Uh, but even those of you that grew up Catholic, I mean, the Catholic Church of the, of the Incarnation in uh, Nazareth, where Mary was from, has a statue of Mary at 13. We all know that she was 13. That's how old she would have been. So you've got to understand that things are a little different than what you think. So I'm figuring if she's 13, we should have a little poster of Justin Bieber up on the nativity scene right there, Okay. Because the truth is, Mary was just barely done playing with baby dolls when she has the baby Jesus. And what's the point of that? The point of the whole nativity scene is that God came to the unlikely through the unlikely, through the young, through the, through the outcasts, through the wise men from afar. And then there's Joseph. What do we do with Joseph? Well, the only thing we know about Joseph is he was a carpenter, and we know he was poor. Because when they dedicated Jesus at the temple... 
on the eighth day like they were supposed to. There was a, a sacrifice of sheep that they were supposed to do. They were supposed to offer a lamb as a sacrifice for their firstborn son. But God said, if you're too poor to offer a sheep, you can offer two doves instead. And lo and behold, Joseph gets to the temple and they offered a couple of little doves. So I think you should take the sheep out of your nativity scene and put a couple of little doves there because that represents the fact that Joseph was poor. Because again, God comes to the unlikely through the unlikely. That's what makes this, you see this backstory and how incredibly rich it is. So much more than you've ever thought of when you've looked at the nativity scene. And then last week, Tim Sutherland did a great message on how um, God and, and Jesus had a love story going on, a father-son love story that was going on from the beginning of time, and that, that somehow, just before the moment when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there was a very, very sad goodbye up in heaven as God said goodbye to His Son and said, Hey, thank you for going down there to save the world. I'll be with you, but you're going to have to go through a lot. I'll see you again, but you're going to have to go through a lot, and I'm going to miss you. Tim said we should probably put a suitcase in the nativity scene because Jesus packed up his suitcase from up in heaven, gave up everything, and came down to earth so that he could be a part of us. I'd really encourage you to go online and watch these or get the podcast because this is my favorite Christmas sermon series that we've ever done around here. I think it's so important that you understand that the, that the story of Christmas doesn't begin with the wise or with the Bethlehem and end with the wise men. That the story of the nativity is not what you think it is. That there is a bigger story that's going on here. Because the truth is, and you hear preachers say this all the time, it's really easy to miss the power of the Jesus story in the middle of celebrating his birthday. It's a ridiculous time of the year. It's so easy to miss Jesus while we're celebrating his birthday. We were, uh, our daughter Lauren was in Bolivia for six months helping with a ministry that rescues street girls. And it was an incredible time for us in November to go and get a chance to see what she was doing and get to be a part of it. And uh, we did a little sightseeing while we were in Cochabamba, Bolivia. And one of the great things that you can do and see there is they have one of those giant Jesus statues like they have, like you've seen in Rio, like they have in other cities. It's called the Cristo de la Concordia. And he's standing, Jesus is standing over Cochabamba with his arms open, the Christ of peace over the entire city. And it's just a beautiful thing. So we hike up to this deal and, and we want to take a picture with Lauren and me and, and mom and, and Jesus in the background. You know, I mean, he's 130 feet tall. It shouldn't be that hard. So I got my camera out and we're kind of, you know, doing this, trying to angle it around. And you can't tell because, you know, you got to take the picture and then turn around and see if you got it. And we're doing this. And this girl comes up to us and she goes, hey, can I take your picture? I mean, my daughter speaks Spanish. So she was talking to her. She said, can I take your picture? And we said, sure. And we gave her the camera and she took the picture. And this is how it turned out. Isn't that awesome? There's little feet of Jesus right there. There's like one foot Jesus. That's what we got. And, and I feel like at Christmas time, that's what happens to a lot of us. We got like one foot of Jesus in this thing because we don't understand the whole story. We've got to understand the power of what's going on in this whole story. So I need you to understand today as I finish this thing up, and Casey's going to talk about it ne the week after Christmas as well, but... I want to finish this thing up with the never-ending story of Jesus because, again, this didn't start with Bethlehem and it didn't end with the wise men, okay? If I can take you back and help you to understand this, the Christmas story started in Genesis 1. 
The Christmas story started in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, and then he created Adam and Eve. And they lived in this place called Eden, and it was this beautiful place where God and humanity were with each other. They were tight, okay? They were with each other all of the time. Key word is with. Say with with me, okay? With. It's just one word you need to remember. With. That's the only thing that you need to remember. Now, my, my family's not from Chicago. We've lived here for 22 years, so my daughters really basically are. But it took me forever to figure out what you Chicago people were talking about when somebody would say, hey, do you want to go with? Because I'm like, with what? With who? With where? What are you talking about? When I learned English, that's called a dangling preposition, friends. I'm waiting for a pronoun to tell me what the heck you're talking about. But let's just do a dangling preposition Chicago-style sermon today and talk about with. Do you want to be with? That's what I want to ask you today. Do you want to be with? In the beginning, God and man were with, okay, in Eden. It was this beautiful thing. God and man were with each other. They walked together in the garden. But Satan entered into the picture. And he said, hey, you don't, you don't want to be with God anymore. You want to eat this fruit. And Adam and Eve said, oh, yeah, okay, that sounds like a great idea. And all of a sudden, there's a break in the relationship because they disobeyed God. So instead of being with, now they're without. They created without. And ever since that time, God has been trying to restore the relationship of with. I know that some of you got your arm twisted to come to this service uh, you know, some people, your parents said, hey, you're not getting Christmas presents if you don't come to Christmas with me or whatever. I mean, I get that. But deep down inside, each and every one of you knows that there was some kind of a tug inside of your heart that said, you know what? I ought to go worship Jesus at Christmas. I ought to, I ought to do something at Christmas. And you know what that was? That was God trying to be with. Okay? He is always going to want to do that. That's why He created you in the first place. Now, did you ever... Want to be with someone who didn't want to be with you? Okay? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you were more interested in them than they were in you. Some of you are like, yeah, now we're married. I know, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know what you paid her, man, but that's amazing. I mean, you know, somehow we got it to go. But go back to that feeling of unrequited love, okay? Go back to that feeling you had. Maybe it was junior high, maybe whatever. You, you, you love this person and they didn't love you back. That is how God feels when we're away from him. He always loves us. He always wanted to be with us. And constantly, the whole rest of the Bible is about God's desire to be with. Do you understand that? And along the way, he picked a couple of other nobodies named Abraham and Sarah. This time they weren't young like Mary. They were really old. And he said, hey, let's start over. I want to have a, I want to have a with relationship with some people. I want you to start a family, and I'm going to be with this family. We'll call this nation Israel. This is going to be my family. I'm going to be with. And even though they were very old, I mean, they, they, Abraham had had his AARP card for 50 years. It was the ancient association of retired people. Even though he was 100, they had a baby. Why? How could that happen? Here's a really important thing you're going to learn today. The with miracle is not limited by me. It's about God with me. Abraham and Sarah weren't too old. Mary wasn't too young. Joseph wasn't too poor. The shepherds weren't too far out away from God. The wise men weren't too far in another religion away from God. Because when God chooses to have a with relationship, He doesn't care about where you've been or who you are or what you've done. He just wants to be with. Well, unfortunately, 
these people that God decided to be with, the Israelites, they kept running away from him again. I don't know why we do that, but they kept running away, and God kept pursuing them. And that's where you hear the story of Moses or Joshua or Esther or Samson or Deborah or Isaiah, these prophets. And there's always this one-sided thing where God is like, hey, come on, let's be with, let's be with, let's be with. Now, you parents know what I'm talking about. This is our first Christmas's empty nesters, and all three of my children are sitting in this service right now. And I can't tell you how excited that makes me as a dad because this is the first time they've all been far away. And I can tell you, some of you know what I'm talking about. There was nothing like standing in O'Hare and watching the security doors and waiting for my daughter to come back from South America. And there was nothing like two hours later waiting for the security doors for my daughter to come back from Los Angeles. And there's nothing like hearing the garage door open and and knowing that Rachel and Ash are home from Nashville. There is nothing like that feeling in the world. And that is the feeling that God has for you. He can't wait for you to walk through those doors so that you can be in a relationship with Him again. That is exactly what He's like. So God keeps trying over and over and over again. And there's this covenant of Abraham. There's this relationship with these people that God has, but they keep running away from Him. Finally, God finds this one guy. This young shepherd boy who had a heart for him. And he said, hey, I think you can do this. You can be my king. And David became the king over Israel. And it was during the reign of David that Israel really hit their stride. And it was almost, it wasn't Eden again because there was a lot of sin and there were a lot of problems. But there was this relationship of with again. The withness factor was the best in the kingdom of David that it ever was. And then his son took it downhill, and his grandson took it way downhill, and they ran away again, and there was without. But the with miracle is not limited by me. It's about God with me. And from that time on, God promised, hey, you know what? There's going to be a Messiah someday who is going to come back and bring the blessing of Abraham and the kingdom of David back again and restore us back to withness again. And all the people, that's all they could talk about when they were oppressed, when they had hard times. All they could do was say, oh, remember back when the kingdom of David was here? Remember back when Abraham, remember the witness? We do that, right? We look back, we're like, oh, remember what it was like, uh, you know, remember what it was like before the recession? Remember what it was like when the kids were young? Remember when the Bears had a 10-point lead with five minutes to go against Denver? Remember those things, right? We, we, want, we always look back at the good times, and that's what they did, because they looked back at the withness of David. That's what they couldn't, they couldn't wait for the Messiah to come and, and restore the withness of David. And David was from the little town of Bethlehem. See why this backstory is so important? If you start with Mary and Joseph, you are going to miss the bigger picture. So when we get to Matthew 1, and it says this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about, now we understand what he's talking about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. A virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him with. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Chuck Colson is the founder of a ministry that takes Christmas presents to prisoners' kids um, because, you know, they figure it's not the prisoners' kids, it's not the kids' fault that dad or mom are incarcerated and they ought to have Christmas. And so he was delivering presents in the 
slums in the inner city of Washington, D.C. one day to some prisoners' kids, and there were several of them in this house, and, and they walked in, and the mom wasn't even home. There's just kids running around everywhere, and, and this one kid came up to him and said, Hey, what's your name? And Colson said, My name is Chuck. What's your name? And the little boy said, My name's Emmanuel. And Chuck said, Do you know what your name means? The little boy said, No. So Chuck turned to Matthew 1 and bent down and said, This is what your name means. Emmanuel means God is with us. And about that time he said the mom walked in and the little boy ran up to his mom and said, Mommy, Mommy, God is with us. God is with us. He said, as I walked away, as I walked down that snowy, cold street in the projects of D.C., I couldn't help but hear the words of that little boy echoing in my mind. God is with us. God is with us. And I knew that Emmanuel really is the hope of the world. Why do we need God with us? Well, because we're sinners. You can't, you can't really blame all of this on Adam and Eve. I mean, because the truth of the matter is, I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. We're all tainted by sin. The Bible says no one is righteous. Nobody is good enough. Nobody deserves to be with God because we all have sin in our life. That's why we needed God to come down and, and to be with us. That's why we needed Him to come and take the, the price and pay the price for us and take our sin away. We're all sinners. It starts early. One grandma was taking her four-year-old grandson and three-year-old granddaughter to the store. And when they got back in the car, uh, the, the grandson said, Grandma, Mary's got something in her pocket. And, and Grandma looked in the little girl's pocket, and sure enough, there was a red barrette that she had stolen from the store. I mean, she was three. She didn't know any better. And the lady wrote, you know, I was tired. I didn't want to deal with this. I just wanted to leave. But I knew I had to teach my grandchildren a lesson. So we got out. We got back in the store. We gave them the barrette back. We told them what happened and apologized. And then we went to the grocery store. And at the grocery store, the checkout lady was, you know, just trying to make conversation. And she saw the kids. And she said, hey, have you kids been good for Santa? She said, my grandson said, well, I have, but my sister just robbed the store. <laughs> it starts when we're three, and it doesn't really get any better if you think about it, because the truth of the matter is nobody is good enough. So that's why God is with us is so important, is because Paul said God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become good enough. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's what we celebrate at Easter. That's what we celebrate when we come together to have the Lord's Supper every week around here. Somebody said it best. He came to our place. He took our place. And He invites us back to His place. That's the story of Jesus. Because the with miracle is not limited by me. It's about God with me. Emmanuel is not about you. It's about God with you. We talk about the story, we talk about the incredible miracle of the virgin birth and Mary, and it seemed pretty unlikely for a with miracle to happen to Mary. But you're like, oh yeah, but she was Mary, and I'm me, and, and I robbed the store, and, I, and I've sinned, and I've fallen short, and I'm, I'm this person, Mary. Yeah, maybe the with miracle could happen to her, but the with miracle could never happen to me. I can't see how God would want to be with me. I don't even want to be with me sometimes. How would God want to do that? I mean, all this sounds good, you know, this Emmanuel thing. I'd love to have it, man, because it'd be so great if I could have Emmanuel because I've got, like, these big decisions I need to make. I've got this thing that I'm stuck with. My marriage is in trouble. I've got relationship issues. I've got job problems, money problems, health problems. Man, could I use a with miracle in my life? But God couldn't want to have anything to do with me, could he? 
Which is funny because that was Mary's reaction as well. Mary said, I'm going to have a baby? How, how can this be? I mean, if I came down off the stage and I said, hey, God wants to have a with miracle in your life, you would have exactly that same reaction. But I want you to hear what the angel told Mary, who didn't think it was possible at first either. The angel said, listen, the with miracle is not about you. It's about God with you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. I mean, it's not just you, Mary. Elizabeth's going to have a with miracle. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. I mean, it's, it, this is with miracle is not just for Mary. It's not just for Elizabeth. It's for everybody. And we hear this story. We think, man, that sounds really great. Okay, it sounds really great. But the only way it happens is if you read the next verse. Because the angel said, for nothing is impossible with God. I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you've done. I, I don't care how far out of the Jesus picture you feel like you are, there is a Jesus miracle, there is a with miracle, there is an Emmanuel miracle that's waiting to happen. Because the with miracle is not limited by me. It's about God with me. It's about the power of the Most High happening inside of me. All you have to do is believe that and have the reaction of Mary, and the with miracle will happen. What's the reaction of Mary? Okay, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm willing to do whatever he wants. And because she believed, and because she was willing, the with miracle and the never-ending story of Christmas goes on. And Luke 2 says, while Mary and Joseph were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. The miracle baby with Emmanuel. God is with us. I want to tell you something. All you need to do is just let out that question. Okay, I need a with miracle, but how could this happen? How could this be? That's all you need to do. How can, how can with happen in my life? And then let in the truth. Well, is anything impossible with God? No, nothing it will be impossible with God. So I guess it's possible. And add the action. I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to do whatever He wants. Now that may not be easy, friends. And this is... This was not an easy story. Saying, I'm the Lord's servant, I'm willing to do whatever He wants, may mean riding 80 miles on a donkey eight months pregnant, okay? It may mean being willing to invite the hell's angels and the, you know, the, 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 the turban guys from Pakistan to come and worship with you at your baby's invitation. It may mean having to take up your cross daily and follow Him. It will definitely mean that once you sign up, the red dragon is not going to be happy with you and he is not going to make life easy for you. But none of that really matters because it's not about you. It's about the power of God within you because nothing is impossible with God because the with miracle is not limited by me. It's about God with me. You just have to let him in. We like to give out cool gifts at Christmas, um, just like you do. So we're giving, uh, giving you a flashlight on the way out because I thought the light was kind of cool. And it actually says, God with us. Okay, everybody's going to get one of these cool little flashlights on your way. I hope you'll put it on your keychain. I hope you'll put it somewhere and you'll remember that God is with you. Okay, these are not stocking stuffers for your family. Take one per person for crying out loud. Gosh, people last night were like, oh, cool, look, I don't, have to go, I don't have to go to Walgreens now. I got all my presents. Okay, whatever. I want you to take this 
And I want you to remember that you don't have to be alone, that you don't have to be by yourself, that God wants to be with you. And I want you to remember, I'm actually going to put it on my scene here because I think it works really, really cool because it helps me to understand that I don't have to be religious. I don't have to be the right person. It doesn't matter if I'm poor or if I'm outcast or from, from a different religion or wherever I'm from. It doesn't matter because God wants to be with me. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Remember that when you take your gift from here tonight and remember that God is with you and remember that God sent a special star. Let this flashlight be a reminder of the star that he sent to these wise men from the Orient R to help lead them to Jesus. And when the star that they'd seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was and they found Emmanuel, they were overjoyed because your reaction to this story could only be rejoice Rejoice, Emmanuel has come to thee, O Israel. Listen to Isaiah's prophecy about this story. 600 years before Jesus was born, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will sit on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Maybe your Christmas 2011 could look a little bit more like this. I finally took the picture myself, and it just happened to be when the sun was right over Jesus' head. Isn't that awesome? That's just us doing this. It just turned out that way to help us to remember that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That the with miracle is not limited by me. It's God with me. And if I may, I need to add one more item to your weird nativity scene. Because... Um, if it's a never-ending story, I think your nativity scene needs a clock. Because this clock represents that this is a forever story. It doesn't end when we die. It doesn't end at the end of this age. It goes on to the end of forever. As a matter of fact, fascinating as I started thinking about it, do you realize what the last thing Jesus said, the last words out of Jesus' mouth before he went back up to heaven, do you realize what they were? Think about this for a minute. If you know the Bible, Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world and share the with miracle with everyone. And then, as if he knew we were going to forget it from time to time, the very last words of Jesus Christ were, and surely I am with you. Isn't that cool? The very, I am Emmanuel, I am God with you. And the last thing he said was, Emmanuel with forever to the very end of the age so what about this clock well this clock represents a lot more than you possibly realize i mean i i know we hate alarm clocks because we don't like to get up you know but there's something deeper that's going on in this alarm clock because time is something that is only going on on this earth when we leave this earth when we get to that place of our final destination there will be no more time 
So I would offer to you that all of our problems, all the junk that's going on in this earth because of the red dragon, because of sin in this earth, is represented by this clock. And right now we're limited by this because we're stuck in this place. But someday there is going to be an end to this clock. Someday God is going to send Jesus back and we're all going to be together in a place where everything is going to be different. So I think we should just take this clock and remember that someday we're going to live in a place where there is no more death and no more mourning and no more crying or pain because the old order of things has passed away. And you put that on your nativity scene and remember that someday we're going to be out of here and we're not going to have to worry about this anymore. As a matter of fact, Revelation 21 tells us that someday when we leave this earth, check out this with stuff, it's unbelievable, a loud voice... A loud voice from the throne will be saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. Emmanuel, God with us. We're going to have communion now. And... uh, it really is a never-ending story. I love this scene. It, it, the book just keeps going. Because it's never going to end. It's never going to be over. And I know you're sitting there going, how can this be? And my answer is, nothing is impossible with God. There is a God who wants to be with you. So it doesn't depend on you. It depends on God. Nothing is impossible with God. The power of the Most High is what makes this relationship happen. And it's what will take you into this never-ending story. The only part you have in this is accepting the gift. The only part you have in this is saying, Okay, I'm in. I will do as you say. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to pray right now for communion and give you an opportunity to pray with me. And I hope that your hearts will be open to this beautiful message. I hope that you don't walk out of this Christmas with a picture of Jesus' foot behind you. I hope that you'll have the whole light of Jesus shining down on you and you can do this right now. Lord God, we come to you right now and I know there are people in this room who... Uh, regular Christmas people, regular Christian people, we've been around, we've done this before, we've got 30 nativities set up at our house and we know how the whole thing goes. I pray that for those of us who are in that situation that maybe some part of the story is new to us now as we understand the backstory of with, of Emmanuel, and that we can relish this fact as we celebrate Christmas this year that you are with us and that the with miracle didn't stop with the wise men, but it continued to go on and it continues to go on. I know there are people in this room who've been away from you for a long time. Maybe this is the first time they've been back in church for a while. and They're wondering how this whole thing works with them. I, I pray that you'll help them to understand that you are way more excited to see them than I was to see my kids coming through the security doors at O'Hare. And that doesn't even seem possible, but we know that that's how much you want to be with. It doesn't matter whether they went off to. It doesn't matter what they did. 
The prodigal son did all those things, and when he came home, you were waiting for him with open arms. There are people in this room, probably, Lord, that they just have never had a relationship with you. Maybe they never even heard this story before. The first story or the back story, they just didn't really get it. They didn't understand what this whole thing is about. Help them to have just enough faith to open the door to you and say, okay, well, nothing is impossible with God. I'm the Lord's servant. Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. I want to follow you. I know it won't always be easy. I know that you're going to ask me to do some hard things from time to time. I know that I'm going to need to follow you and take up my cross and and be like you. But I'm willing to do that if you're willing to be with me. I know that you are, Lord. So as hearts are being opened to you right now, I pray that this with miracle is happening all around us. People sitting around us, we don't even know it. The same way that it happened to Mary. The same way that it happened to Elizabeth. Lord, we thank you for this miracle. As we celebrate communion right now, I I, I don't say that word celebrate lightly. We celebrate the incarnation. We celebrate Emmanuel coming to earth. We celebrate you sending your son Jesus to come to this earth to be like us, except perfect like us, so that you could go to the cross and take the punishment for sin that we deserve. He who knew no sin could become sin for us so that we would become the righteousness of God. And so that now when you look at me, you don't see me, you just see Jesus. I thank you for that. We celebrate that at communion and we know that it cost you a great price. And we know, Jesus, that it cost you the most ultimate price of any gift that was ever given. And we worship you for that. Be with us as we do it. In your name we pray. Amen.